0: Evening everybody, well I wonder if um, you know what this is, it is of course a Lego Millennium Falcon. If you're not uh, acquainted with the Falcon then uh, let me uh, fill you in that it is the greatest starship in a galaxy far far away uh, that it has ever seen and uh, we have ever seen. Um, and uh, uh, this, is, this is the little version. Uh, well, I think, think there's a smaller version of, of Lego um, Millennium Falcon, but there's a bigger one that costs about 600 quid. And I tell you, if I had 600 quid sitting around um, in, my, uh, in my pocket, um, that is what I would have got myself for Christmas this year. Uh, but I haven't got 600 spare quid, and I didn't get it for Christmas. But uh, I've got a friend who did do that a few uh, years uh, ago, and uh, he built it. With, his, uh, with one of his sons. Um, they poured over that 1,254 pieces. It took them uh, all, about nine hours to put together, patiently, lovingly, brick by brick, piece by piece. And with growing excitement and anticipation, they saw the work of their hands create this beautiful, splendid, incredible wonder. Folks, if you've ever built anything uh, by lego uh, or if you're not the lego kind of person you something by ikea maybe that's the kind of thing that floats your boat uh, you will know that success is achieved by working piece by piece using each one at the right time and in the right place if you just try and freestyle it and just look at the box and you know you know, have a go at trying to just recreate that that is a recipe for disaster we all know that And yet, as we turn to Ecclesiastes 3 tonight, the preacher, the guy who wrote this book, wants us to see that that's exactly how we build our lives in this world. You see, life is like a construction project. We are each building the project of me. And we have an idea of how we want to do it and how we hope it will turn out, you know, like a picture on the box, if you like. But the difference between real life and Lego construction is that we're not the ones with the master plan laid out before us on the table. God is. Only he sees the big picture. Uh, yet all we see is the different bits and pieces that we try to cobble together. The, the seasons and times, if you like, uh, as Ecclesiastes 3 puts it, uh, the, that we lock together in order to build the story of our lives. And so sometimes, there's tremendous joy and satisfaction as a particular piece clicks into place, crowning part of our life project. <laughs> but other times, uh, pieces just don't seem to fit together. We can't get them to work, or, or they just seem to be missing completely. And it's hard to keep going without them. And as in Lego building, <laughs> so in life. Building without the master plan is so frustrating. (laughs) It can be hair tearing out. I mean, that's why I have so little hair left. And confusing. It's hard going. And yet the preacher wants us, us to see this evening that contrary to what we might think, that's a really good thing for us. That is a really, really good thing for us. In fact, our lack of... Understanding and control over the events of our lives is the very thing, if we can see it from the right perspective, that can give us hope for the future and contentment in the now. Because the key to living wisely and well is understanding that God is God and we are not. I mean, the preacher makes that difference pretty clear as he he shows us firstly that, that we are limited by time. As he says in verse 1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And he's not just talking about the seasons of the year, he's talking about the springtime of childhood that some of you are going through or or coming out of at this very moment. The summer of adulthood, where everything just seems to be kind of flowing and clicking into place. The midwinter, sort of the autumn of midlife, where that uh, famous crisis uh, happens for many of us. And the winter of our final years as we start to slow down and wind down. Life is a series of seasons with beginnings and endings, and as the preacher fleshes it out in the poem that follows, he mentions the word time 29 times, so that we can hear the tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock of what is going on with our lives. And every single time he mentions time, it is a reminder to us that in this world, that time is limited. Don't know if you've come across this, but, but a long time ago, when the internet had just become a thing, a friend of mine sat me down and went, oh, let's put this into a search engine, www.deathclot.com. It's, a, it's basically a website, in fact, a very basic website uh, that still exists, where you type in your date of birth, your BMI, and whether you're a smoker or not, and it spits out the date it predicts that you are going to die, and a countdown clock that you can keep on your desktop, on your computer. So I tried it again earlier on uh, this week, and apparently the day of my death is Thursday the 2nd of June 2044. And I have, uh, as of Friday night, I had 644 million, 603,000 and 433 seconds left to live. live, And the clock is ticking. Now, that's a little bit macabre, isn't it? But, um, uh, yeah, we we don't really like to think about death. We so often hide it away and airbrush it from our minds. But to a point, that's right. As verse 2 here tells us that there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. It's often been said that One of the certainties, probably the only certainty that we have once we are born, is that we one day will die. Our lives are limited by time. And not just in terms of the length of our years, but also by the passing seasons of our life. I mean, just think about some of the key moments in your life so far. Uh, Ending primary school. Or your GCSEs. Getting married. Starting a family. Or saying goodbye to a parent or a loved one. How quickly we arrive at events that, uh, uh, in days gone by. seem so, so far off. Uh, and we wonder, uh, where has the time gone? How did that happen? How do we get here? And it can happen so suddenly. As unlike the seasons of the year here in Ecclesiastes 3, you do not know what is coming next. There's no rhyme or rhythm to it, no order to it and you are not in control of it. For instance, none of us had any say in the day of our birth, did we? And unlike what deathclock.com claimed, none of us know when we will die either. I could put that date in my diary, but there's no certainty. And sadly, as some of us have experienced this year, it can happen really, really unexpectedly. And so it is for everything in between, one moment you're building, the next moment somebody's suddenly tearing it all down again. One moment you're planting and then someone's uprooting it. One moment you're laughing, the next there's tears rolling down your face. One moment you're full on dancing mode, the next you're standing by a graveside dressed in black. One moment you're embracing and then all of a sudden there's separation, no more hugs one moment your nation is at peace and the next it's at war and you may not want that to happen you you may not want half of those things to happen i mean there's there's delight and disquiet all mixed up in there but you can't just keep the good ones the good times and, and lose the bad times that's just life they all come at you together much of our time is taken from us it's rudely interrupted by some things that we hadn't expected, and it doesn't always work out like we wished it did. Now, some people read this poem and think it's beautiful, and so they often, well, often it's read at funerals. I've heard that a number of times. But I hate this poem. If you read this out of my funeral, I guarantee you, well, I can't guarantee this, but I will try to jump out my coffin and tell you, verse seven, is it time to be silent? <laughs> and it's now. Zip it. For this poem, all it does is it builds a problem. It's a brutal poem that ends with a brutal question What gain has the worker from his toil? Answer? Absolutely none. Unless, unless we use this experience of our limitedness to help us realize that God is God and that we are not. And trust that he is up to something bigger and better. Which he is. And it's there in verse 11, do you see? He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. You see, we're trapped in time. But God is not on the same time scale, the same schedule. Because secondly, God is eternal. We go through seasons. God doesn't. We have a date of birth and a date of death. But... God has no beginning and no end. Everything that we do is is limited. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But verse 14, whatever God does endures forever. (laughs) We can't control time. It slips through our fingers like sand. But God is Lord of time. He orchestrates it and he gives it to us and allows us to experience it in all its joys and its sorrows, its frustrations and delights. And he says to us, you may not see it yet, but I'm making everything beautiful in its time. Trust me with that. I don't know if you've heard the story of Corrie Ten Boom. Uh, she was a Dutch Christian who, whose family sheltered Jews from the Nazis in the Second World War. Eventually, they were betrayed and discovered and sent to a concentration camp where, tragically, Corey's younger sister, Betsy, died. And Corey should have died herself if it wasn't for an administrative mix-up that saw her released a week before she was due to be executed. And later on in her life, as she reflected on the suffering and the heartache of that time, that period of her life, she made this tapestry. It's not the prettiest, is it? But that is what she lived through, a complete and utter mess. Yet if you were to flip the tapestry over, on the other side, there is this crown. And the point is very simple. I can experience the different times of my life knowing That they are part of a bigger picture that I cannot see currently. But which is being woven together by a good and kind and wise God. Who is Lord of time and makes it all beautiful. To be sure, we often want to see it. We want to flip the tapestry around and go, what is going on? Verse 11 again. God has put eternity in our hearts uh, uh, and that's why we we feel that this life, it needs to have some kind of meaning and purpose, even in the most futile and tragic situations, there must be something going on that that actually means something. Our hearts cry out to us in that and we have this sneaking suspicion that this life is not all that there is and that's why life is so frustrating. We've been made curious and we've got questions. But, do you see verse 11 again? We cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. And so part of being wise in this world is realizing that we have very limited access to the big picture. And that God is not being unkind in not sharing it with us. It's just that we're not built to see it. Precisely because we live in time, and God does not. If we could see the end from the beginning and understand how billions of lives and thousands of generations and unspeakable sorrows and untold joys are all woven together into a tapestry that is perfect beauty, then we would be God, but we are not. And so this means that part of growing up in the world is is learning... To humble ourselves and then lift our eyes and see the greatness of our God and to trust Him in all the circumstances of our lives. And in doing so, that will change everything in your world. So, as you finish, let me, let me give you four challenges, four, four ways that that can happen. One, Don't try to satisfy your eternal heart with anything but the eternal God. So your body might have this death clock inside it that is going tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. It's counting down. But inside of you, in your soul, God has started a clock that will tick for the rest of forever. You and I were made for eternity. Which is why a fella called C.S. Lewis, uh, who I guess lots of you know as the author of The Lion, The Witch and the Wardrobe, and, and all the other Narnia books. There were books before films, if you've only ever seen the films. And he said this once. He said, If I find in my desires... If, sorry, if I find in myself desires, which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. No matter how good the result is on a football pitch, or or how satisfying it is to achieve a life goal, or how amazing the feeling of falling in love is, God has created you in such a way that your eternal heart is never going to be fully satisfied with anything in a tick-tock, tick-tock temporary world. So do not try to satisfy the eternal thing within you with something itself that is not eternal itself and has an expiry date or a death date, a sell-by date. Your eternal heart will only find what it's looking for when it finds its rest and puts its trust in the eternal God. And then, secondly, don't waste the season that you're in. (laughs) We're so patient, aren't we, folks? So when the going gets tough or or, or things become a little bit of a drudge, we find ourselves just wanting to fast forward the season that we're in in order to get to what in our minds is a much more golden future where we'll be unhindered by the restrictions and the frustrations of our current time. Or or perhaps to rewind to, to, to what we perceive as being the good old days. But folks, the past is gone and the future isn't written yet. And we are not its author. So instead, in in whatever season that we find ourselves in, we're to do what verse 12 commands. We are to be joyful, to rejoice in the Lord. And to do good to others around us. and, And live simply, eating and drinking. And taking pleasure in that and the work that God has given us. This is God's gift to us. And when our plans get interrupted, it can be tempted to think that we know better than God and get frustrated with Him because things don't go our way. But you will never find deep and lasting joy and do good in this world if you want to just escape the season you're in. The key to being content, to be happy, is in recognizing that all the time that you have and every season that you go through is a gift from the eternal God during which he will have some incredible lessons to teach you and some particular special blessings that may never come again. Each day and each season is a limited edition gift from God. So as you wake up each day, thank God for that day. That it's a special time given to you by him. And try to make the most of it looking for opportunities to do good in the moment you're in then thirdly don't try to figure out or or find out as verse 11 puts it what the eternal god is doing in the midst of a season so often especially when when we go through a difficult time we think oh if i could if i could just understand why i want if i could know god's why that would really help me just to keep going and endure this But only the eternal God knows the beginning from the end. Only he sees the big picture, the master plan for what is being built. Only he sees the why. So don't try to fathom it in the middle of a season. It's futile to do that. Now that doesn't mean the experience itself will be pain free. Often the process is painful. But the purpose is good. God knows what he is doing. And he never wastes a hurt. About 12 years ago, I I started coughing. 2012, I just started coughing at Easter. I coughed all year long. Got chest infections every like six weeks. And twice ended up in hospital, coughing up blood and struggling to breathe. And on Christmas Eve that year I was diagnosed with a chronic lung condition which basically means that uh, I will have to live with it for the rest of my life. It will never be cured. It will never go away. Happy Christmas Day! Eh? Woo! And I-, I didn't have a clue what was going on at the time. I- it just felt like I- I- I was- I was- my nose was just right up against the tapestry and all I could see were these threads and I just couldn't weave them together into some coherent story of what was going on, but God in His kindness has helped me to manage the condition much better the last 10 years or so, and has helped me to see a little of what He was doing, what He was weaving together in that period (laughs) unknown to me, preparing me to step into a job where I walk through life with people who are going through difficult and painful situations and I now know Not everything, but a little of what that feels like and I can empathize with folks and hopefully do that better than I could have done before. And God has taught me all about my weakness and my frailty through that, how how feeble I am so that I won't think that I'm God's gift and I'm the answer to things and just if I could just do a little bit more, if I could work a little bit more, a little bit harder in this crazy kind of do more culture then, yeah, I'd fix it. And so that helps me to rest and go to sleep at night. And ultimately, he showed me the reality of my death, so that I value each day a lot more and try to make the most of the time that he has given me before he eventually takes me home. Now, we might not always get to see that once we've got through a season, but if it's God's plan, and it's a good plan. Verse 14, nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. It can't get any better. It can't be made any better by us. So if the picture of your life looks messy just now, or, or, or at some point in the future, know that God is in control even of the chaos. And he is weaving together something beautiful that one day, we will be able to see fully from heaven's perspective and see how beautiful it is and stand amazed. And then finally and ultimately, fourthly, see everything in the light of eternity. Look at verse 15. Would you? That which is already has been, says the preacher, that which is to be already has been, and god seeks what has been driven away what does that mean what is god seeking out that has been driven away i think it's all the events of human history that have been chased away into the past and to us are uh, gone and lost forever but not to god as like some kind of tra- time traveling judge he will dial back time and fetch the past back into his present to bring it all to account. In other words, he is going to make everything right in the end. Which is great news for those of us who, who look at the world around us, who look at things that have happened to us in our lives, and like the preacher does in verse 16 and say, why is there so much injustice in this world? Even in the places where justice should be happening, Even amongst the people who should be dealing with it. Will there ever be a time for justice? Well, yes, there will. God will retrieve every single injustice, every single broken time, every single activity, every single deed where his law has been broken, and his world has been tarnished, and his children have been hurt. Every one of these moments will be answerable to the eternal God. And every tear and every sighing sorrow for my wrongs, the things that have been done to me, or sadly the things that have been done by me, each one will be sought out by God, the God who is perfect justice, truth, mercy, and love. And he will make it right. As the author Tim Keller said, he will make all the sad things come undone. Let me pray that through for us as we try to think that through and apply it to our own lives. A moment of quiet just to, to think through how that lands with you, how you hear that just where you're at in the season you're in. Father God, we we thank you that you are Lord of all times and all seasons and that in your goodness and kindness you have put limits on us so that we would realize that you are God and we are not and reach out to you and trust you with our lives and trust that, that in our lives you are clicking things together piece by piece You are building things in such a way that one day we will see just what a beautiful thing you have constructed in us and through us. And we thank you that one day at the end of time, you will judge the world too. So that we can trust you to deal with and make right all of the injustices we see around us. Those that have been committed against us so that everything will be made right in the end and we can rest in you and trust you with that but most of all Father we thank you that the Bible tells us elsewhere that in the fullness of time at exactly the right time you sent your son Jesus to live and die and rise again to rescue us from our sin for we confess that In our sin, we have hurt and treated others unfairly. And we deserve nothing from your hand but your judgment. And yet, amazingly, you have made the pain and horror of Jesus' death into something beautiful, something amazing, bringing life from death, light from darkness, freedom and fullness from punishment and condemnation, so that in trusting and following Christ, we can know peace. And hope now, and at the end of our days, we can be with Jesus in an eternal season, a never-ending season of glory forever. We thank you for him, and we pray that you would help us love and worship him, and do good for him every day for the rest of our lives. Amen.